everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today we have two guests uh, going a little different than, than our, our one guest, uh, but it's going to be more fun, I guess, this way. So this will be great. Uh, um, we're here with James Sutcliffe, the CEO at Veda Health, and Tanvi Abhi, the co-founder and chief strategy officer of the company. Thank you both for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Excited to chat. Well, how we usually like to, to start things out is, uh, James, it'd be great to get a quick snapshot of your background. And then Tanvi, it'd be great to, to do the same for you. And then we can talk uh, more about the company and uh, really what you're focusing on. And, and uh, I have a couple other questions here that I'm really curious about asking you as well. Sure. So quick snapshot of my background. I've been in various facets of healthcare for the better part of 23 years. Uh, but more exclusively focused in this virtual care, digital care, telemedicine, whatever you want to term it, space for a little over a decade now. Uh, I've worked with lots of different organizations from high acuity episodes of care and emergency room environments and disparate networks to direct consumer environments and, and kind of everything in between. And excited to be part of the, the Beta Health organization now. Uh, and I'm Tanvi. I am uh, one of the two co-founders of Veda Health, and uh, I came to healthcare from a, a bit more of an unusual background. Uh, my background is in the social impact space, uh, where I worked primarily in emerging markets, helping to seed and grow companies that take a double or triple bottom line approach. And um, when we started Veda Health, it was clear that there was so much opportunity to impact the patient experience um, and really generate better, not only experiences for patients, but ultimately health outcomes uh, using technology and, and using business um, in that sense. And so uh, Veda Health was really born out of a simple idea that we can better empower patients um, in their care experiences uh, in the 90% of time that they're spending outside of a traditional care setting. Thank you so much, by the way, for the intros, both of you and the, and the snapshot of Veda Health. Um, I had a few things that I really wanted to to kind of lean in on today. And the goal is, by the way, to have one or both of you back on in the near future to because we, we try to keep these things nice and short and sweet for our listeners. So there's only so much we can go through. So love to have you on again in the near future. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this uh, basically, I guess, transition or, or James, right? You're, you're the CEO. Can we talk a little bit about how that, I guess, came to be uh, at the company? I'm really curious. So, I mean, as, as far as the transition for me joining this organization, the reason behind it is, you know, I think some of the, the things that I've worked through from an experience standpoint and, and predominantly focused in the commercialization efforts or taking organizations from one phase to their next phase from an evolutionary standpoint uh, is something that I've developed a, a great expertise in. Uh, Tanvi and, and Nora as co-founders in this organization have spent the better part of five years really building something substantially uh, meaningful and, and, and really, really relevant in this space. Uh, and we're looking for someone who can help with lifting it up into to recognition and, and really planting the flag from a market share and marketplace awareness perspective. So I think I bring that experience that is something that can help uh, accentuate the processes that have, have already been developed and really further their advancement. 
And, and I guess, Tanvi, from your point of view, what was it that, that made – so it, it seemed like it was a great fit for, for James to join. What was it on your end that's like, yeah, we, we want to be able to work with James. We want a new, uh, a new CEO. So we were really excited to have James join our organization a couple of months ago um, for many of the reasons that he just outlined, particularly with a really um, kind of strong and depth of experience in the commercialization space. Um, you know, as as he mentioned, Nora and I, Nora, uh, my co-founder and a, a physician, um, have been working through this kind of remote care and virtual care modality over the last few years with very, very strong clinical results um, and adoption uh, in the industry, largely in innovation communities and in other areas um, with, with clinical relevance. And as we looked at the market and as we looked at the opportunity, it became clear to us that uh, the opportunity was not only expanding, particularly uh, with what you know happened in healthcare across the board with COVID-19 and just the transformation of the space as a whole, um, but also just in terms of remote care um, and the growth within that space uh, that was happening, you know, and and put in motion even prior to the pandemic. Um, what we've seen over the last 18 months is that this is. Uh, a huge land grab um, and speed to market and, and speed to, you know, really uh, become a trusted source in the market is uh, very, very important. And uh, we felt that it was an opportune time to bring uh, James specifically on in this capacity, given uh, how seasoned he is in this space. Yeah, it seems like it's a great match on both sides. So it's uh, I'm, I'm happy for, for you and the team. I, you mentioned COVID-19, and I want to go back to that real quick because uh, one of the things I wanted to go through today was basically how did uh, remote patient monitoring solutions like uh, Aveda Health uh, stand up to the challenges that were brought on by the pandemic over the last year? And we're not out of it yet, but I, I would, you know, some would say we're in a better, obviously, position than we were this time a year ago. From our perspective, you know, virtual care, remote care has been around for a long time. We saw very low adoption of telehealth um, prior to the pandemic, and that increased, you know, depending on the facility or the institution, anywhere between 50 and 175 fold um, in terms of volume of telehealth visits. Um, you know, that's a, a huge number, of course, but I think really what is most impactful and a really important takeaway from that is patient and provider willingness to adopt these technologies as part of their mainstream workflows has changed dramatically in the last 18 months. Um, and so what we're looking at is you know, remote care and remote patient monitoring as a risk mitigation strategy to cater to those four in 10 adults that didn't um, seek care during the pandemic because they were too afraid or to really cater to the patients who are saying, you know, I would be willing to switch doctors who, uh, if they provide specialized monitoring or remote monitoring devices. Um, and that market acceptance, I think, is one of the biggest uh, changes that we've seen in the last 18 months. What, what I'd be interested in, in kind of diving into off of that is, so when we look at um, Remote patient monitoring has been has been around for, for a while now, but it seems like over the last two, three years, it's become even more uh, of a, a hot topic. Um, I, I say that because like, 
it was a couple of years ago, you would put a hashtag on LinkedIn or some other social media channel and you might not get anything. And now you do RPM or remote patient monitoring and you'll get thousands. Um, one, one of the things I want to kind of shift focus to with you, James, is can you speak to how uh, these, these RPM solutions are, are basically covered by insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, and like what expansion acceptance um, have you seen of, of the billing codes? Sure. So you're absolutely right, Jared, in, in thinking around the concepts of remote patient monitoring and, and how they overlay in the clinical workflow and the delivery model has been around for quite some time. The adoption curve for those has been really slow. And there's a number of factors behind that, predominantly for the, the compliance reasons when it comes to adherence and, and commitment to working through those care channels on a patient perspective is typically very low. The patients are relatively inexperienced when it comes to digital care and usually don't want to interfere with their day-to-day -day routines. They don't want to feel like they have to do something that they weren't used to doing. <clears throat> Consequently, providers uh, and thinking about their, their, their reimbursement parity structure was not very highly motivational in their, fa in, the, in their favor. So CMS started to look at these situations and understand, hey, the cost avoidance metrics and the models that are in place uh, have been justified uh, over and over and again, there just hasn't been adopted at large scale. So as we start to look through what the insurance models look like, it has a significant effect on the adoption and uptake, particularly on the provider side. So if you think about it now, going from <clears throat> CMS only reimbursing for a couple of very specific clinical use cases to, you know, these wide open environments now in remote environments where patients that essentially can be deployed a chronic illness or considered a chronic illness patients without even a clear diagnosis on this as an opportunity to be to be leverage a, a solution that can then treat them in the environments in, in their home-based environments so if you look at you know private insurance historically private insurance didn't reimburse for this and more and more private insurance is starting to add this to plan design to allow for to be a covered benefit for patients to receive this type of care CMS has, has you know, dedicated some specific reimbursement codes for Medicare and Medicare Advantage patients that can be fully covered uh, as far as their coverage models are concerned. And more than half of the states uh, in the country have their own plan across uh, Medicare benefits uh, or Medicare plan to, or Medicaid benefits for plan design that have coverage models as well. So as we see more increased usage and more demonstrated cases of clinical outcome metrics and the benefits of cost avoidance, uh, there seems to be a significant amount of uptake and usage for both patients and providers, which will inform and affect the amount of uh, reimbursement models that are carried through. And uh, thank you for that, James. Appreciate that. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I continue to love to see how the space continues to grow. Um, it, it's great seeing uh, some of the new codes that are coming out. And it seems like even with, uh, <coughs> with Medicare and Medicaid, you're seeing them put out more and more feedback and uh, there's always some sort of article or something tied with them and uh, RPM uh, more so than, than in years previously. Um, I, I, you mentioned something in there about chronic conditions with, within, your, your, uh, within your response. And I wanna kind of shift focus to Tanvi real quick because there was something I did wanna ask you in regards to that. Why, why would you, in your opinion, why is Veda Health a good fit for patients with chronic conditions? So without going into our, our full sales pitch, um, yeah. we were really designed, um, unlike most remote care platforms out there from the patient perspective backwards. And so, 
uh, really core to what we offer is a very, very deep personalization strategy. We have to recognize that no two patients, as an industry, we have to recognize, and I think we do this very well in in-person clinical practice, uh, no two patients are alike. Their needs are, are vastly different, um, even if they both have the same diagnosis of hypertension or heart failure, um, what their abilities and their goals are, are also very different. The type of education, the type of messaging um, that really resonates with them is different. So everything that we've done at Beta Health is to work from that patient experience perspective backwards of how do we really meaningfully engage patients in the technology medium that they're most comfortable with? For some, it's SMS. For some, it's apps. For some, it's email. Um, and for some, it's you know traditional uh, telephonic communication, and we offer that as well. Um, and within that, the information that we're gathering from the patient, both passively and actively, through devices, through understanding what type of educational content they're engaging with, um, through survey responses, and then any data that we're getting from the clinical record, we are actually driving uh, more and more personalization within that digital care experience for the patient um, to help them meet their goals. Thank you for that. And I'll tell you, I love that you said without going into our sales pitch, it, those are my favorite type of people to deal with when you can talk about what you're doing. And, and I, I set you up for that too. So if anyone, it, whenever I ask someone that you're allowed to go under your sales pitch, whatever you want to <laughs> do, like, cause it, it's when we have these conversations, it's great to hear from you. You're experts in the field, but I also like to shine that light on your organization because, I mean, you are doing some really cool things in the space and, and people do, deserve to know about that. Well, as, uh, for the opportunity. <laughs> absolutely. Well, uh, as we will start to wrap up in, in the next uh, in the next few minutes, but I, w I wanted to ask uh, at least one or two more things before we kind of go to final thoughts. Um, and this one will shift basically back to James. Um, have you seen provider and patient behavior change uh, as there's more awareness around these digital health solutions that exist in the space today? Yeah, there's definitely a shift. <clears throat> you know, you, you obviously can recognize that there's a significant spotlight on consumer awareness around telemedicine or digital care or remote management and, and selection of choices that those patients now have and Tanvi spoke to that a little bit more with regards to the COVID pandemic and, and what that effect uh, was caused as a result of the pandemic. So there's a significant shift in understanding what these things can do to affect the workflow management and the engagement strategies of these patients in environments where they may have not have ever received care in the past or maybe never considered receiving care in the past. So you start to think about, all right, I'm a patient, I'm uh, trying to interface with healthcare. I recognize that I'm concerned around being infected by simply just going to the doctor anymore. Uh, what are my options that are available to me that can be offered either in digital environments or some other form of communication that I may have not even considered in the past? Uh, so the awareness is significant and that awareness drives informed challenges or changes within the provider space and that they now have to adopt that workflow. So patients and providers can now collaborate and understand what that looks like and drive towards better and uh, more increased outcome metrics, uh, but also a better patient engagement and experience. You know, Tommy really spoke to that earlier in that our organization is centralized around the patient experience and, and the goal around uh, really being patient centric is our focus. Uh, so 
patients and providers likely are, are, are in like are in lockstep with what that looks like moving forward and now are making advancements in their workflow model to ensure that that patient experience is much more defined and, and, and reasonable when it comes to how they interface with healthcare. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've always been a huge fan of what everyone's really building in, in digital health. So it's, it's certainly great to see, I mean, used to go to a family dinner or something, you may even mention telehealth, right? No one even knew what the heck you were talking about a couple of years ago. And now it's like, oh yeah, I've used the, this company or um, now once they start, we're starting to see even people understand remote patient monitoring. And that's pretty <laughs> cool at the dinner table, right? When you bring that up in conversation. Um, but that was like non-existent a couple of years ago for, for patients. Um, they didn't even know what the heck that was, most of them. So it, it's certainly interesting to see how things continue to, to grow. Absolutely. Well, I, I would like to hear just a one before we wrap up here, really what's next for the company. Uh, and that could be from either of you or both of you. And, uh, and again, I hope we can have you on again real soon to, to chat about some more, uh, some more issues. John, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, go ahead. So as far as what's next for our organization, I think we hinted at this a little bit around really ramping up our commercialization efforts as a company. I mean, we have a global presence, uh, which is a unique situation in, in, in many of these organizations who are considering opening up their services in, in the domestic U.S. Uh, so it's, it's a unique differentiator that we offer. We also offer this longstanding credibility of sustained and repeated outcomes over the previous five years that other organizations can't typically compete against. But really where our true differentiators are built around that patient-centric engagement strategy and an ecosystem model that helps to bridge the, gallon, uh, the, the, the chasms or the challenges of, of engagement and, and the workflow delivery model that may have not been seen in the past. So for us, uh, what will be coming in the future is a broad-based, I would say, awareness around what true good or best practices look like when it comes to remote management and, and chronic illness management in, in remote environments and really setting the bar at a much higher level than those point solutions that exist on the marketplace today that are derived from either just technological differentiators or simple uh, thought process differentiators and are unable to put the whole package together. So I think that will be really the true advancement from an engagement standpoint, as well as focusing on that in uh, that patient strategy and an informed decision-making process that personalizes the process for them. So they don't feel like this is a off-the-shelf solution that is a one-size-fits-all uh, because healthcare is not ever one-size-fits-all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you both for, for joining me on the podcast today. Look forward to having you on again real soon and wish you all the, the best of luck and Veda Health. Uh, love what you're building. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe around the holidays, uh, remote patient monitoring will be discussed at the family table for those that, uh, mm -hmm. that don't know you. Right. Um, thank you. Always a pleasure. All right. Talk soon. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, Jared.